You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Seahawks Insiders. This is your weekly podcast, Jen Mueller, along with John Boyle. And usually we're looking ahead to the Seahawks' next opponent, but that won't be for a couple of weeks with the bye week upon us. But, John, it is awfully good to talk about what the Seahawks did against the Jets and how they were able to move to 3-1 and one heading into the bye I feel good about where the team is at, and certainly it's worth talking about. Yeah, Pete Carroll does, too. He sounded really optimistic in that press conference we just listened to. I mean, it, this is a team that's doing a lot of things well right now, and it's it'd be encouraging just in a vacuum of they're playing well and they're 3-1, and one, but when you look at their history under Carroll of how much this team tends to improve and play its best football late in the year, if that's going to happen again this year and we're not seeing their best football yet, this could be a really good team. And I mean, Carroll even acknowledged this might be the best team he's had. He's not going to guarantee a Super Bowl, but he really likes his team. Are you surprised that he said that? Because I heard him bit. say that and I thought, wow, that, that's kind of early in the year yeah, to say it. But I think it's important to what he followed that up with was I'm not going to predict what happens at the end of the year because there's a big difference between playing really good football and being a good team over the course of 16 weeks and putting it all together over a couple games span in the playoffs. It's kind of a crapshoot once you get there. But big picture, he really likes – I mean, he's been saying this going back to training camp. They love the depth of this roster. They really like the rookie class they brought in. And we're going to really see that depth more when they get back from the bye with a lot of these guys getting healthy. Yeah, and, you know, when you take a look at the record that they've been able to put together in the first quarter of the season, and you start thinking back to the last couple of years, you know, they have already gotten wins that they didn't get in the last couple of years, which is really where you separate yourself in the season. You do not want to be put in the pressure cooker where you have to win out in order to make the playoffs. And you're already kind of ahead of the game at this point. Um, And and to think that they might have figured out the offense like by week three and four instead of waiting until week seven or eight. There could be some records broken. It was really not until after the bye, and even they lost that first game. Even with the offense improving, they still lost that game to Arizona, and then they really got it going. As Pete Carroll pointed out, they've got half the sacks that they allowed at this point last year, and that's a really good sign, especially considering this offensive line is almost completely brand new. You got the same right tackle, three new starters, and a and your center was a guard last year. And they're not perfect. They're they've made some mistakes. But for how far they've had to come and the opponents they've faced, that group's playing a lot better than I think they've probably gotten credit for, and they're only going to get better. And this whole offense, I think, is really going to just keep rolling and get even better as we go. Yeah, the sack numbers this year compared to last year. Last year, Russell Wilson had been sacked 18 times this year. Same point in time, so same comparison. That is just nine, which I think, John, proves that you and I were right not to be so worried about the offensive line. When that was kind of the national storyline going in is there's no way they could do it with this line. So I think we deserve credit for that. Sure, let's pat ourselves on the back a little. gold stars for that one. Yeah. So the Seahawks would not be in this position without a win yesterday or, excuse me, Sunday against the Jets. What impressed you most? Because there's so many things when you look at the stat sheet and the highlight. What impressed you the most about that? I mean, there's a lot of things. The way Russell Wilson played, especially given the injuries we know he's dealing with. I mean, he's he's basically got a, kind of a, a bum leg, both legs. He's got the knee and the ankle. 
And that was, I mean, especially the first half, that was about as well as I've ever seen him throw the ball. I mean, he was just so dialed in. He didn't throw an incomplete, his second incomplete pass until midway late in the third quarter. I mean, he was just so good. But then I think the defense just – it wasn't anything spectacular. They got their turnovers late, which was really good for them. But just the consistency with which that defense has played really all year. It's been four games of really stingy defense. Teams can't run on them with the exception of those late kind of garbage time drives the 49ers had. Nobody's run the ball on them. They've just been so steady. And again, just like we were talking about the offense, this defense's last couple of years finished better than it started. So that they're starting off this way, really picking up where they left off last year, could bode really well going forward. We'll get into the defense just a little bit more and an injury to the defense that we'll talk about here in just a couple of minutes. But let's spend a few minutes talking about the offense and just quantitatively how we can see the change from the first couple of weeks to the last couple of weeks. The last two weeks, the Seahawks are averaging over eight and a half yards per pass play, and that's compared to significantly less. I think it was about three and a half in the first couple of weeks. Um, Why are the explosive plays and those longer chunk plays so much easier now? Yeah, I mean, that's the, when you talk about eight or so, that's that's where Russell Wilson, when he's been good, has been most of his career. So that they're kind of, I think, more just getting back to where they should be. And uh, part of me just always won't say, well, the Rams, because the Rams have always been so tough on them, and that really skews the numbers when you've only played two games. But I think this a lot of this goes back to what we were talking about, the protection of you give him a little more time. He doesn't need all day, but you give Russell a little more time, they're going to get their shots. And Jimmy Graham is a big part of that, too. I mean, as well as he has played the last two weeks, at, I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give credit, but I saw someone point this out on Twitter that because he was banged up in New Orleans, too, this is really maybe the first true Jimmy Graham, like, you know, Pro Bowl Jimmy Graham that we've seen in a couple of years, really three seasons. And it's fun to watch. I mean, I I'd kind of always pay attention to the Saints from afar just as an NFC team. And just when he is doing that, when it's just you throw it up, he's going to get it. You throw it near him, he's going to get it. It's, it's really exciting to watch. And it's, you know, they as Pete Carroll said this morning when he was doing a radio hit, they, it's not that they didn't want to do this early, but it just takes time for the quarterback and the tight end to build that chemistry. And then that process got a little delayed with a pretty significant injury. And now that they're finding that, it's it's really fun to watch those two. Well, I thought it was interesting, too, Jimmy's comments after the game is that, look, I've always told Russell, you trust me, I'll go get it. And if I can't get no it, nobody will. else yeah. is going to, right? And it's one thing to say that. And we talk about the amount of times that Russell has turned the ball over, which is not very many at all. I can understand both sides of that equation where Jimmy early on is saying, look, just give it to me. And Russell's saying, yeah, but – I haven't played with you enough to know whether this is really true, and you can see the trust on both sides of that. Yeah, because yeah, Jimmy Graham comes from an offense where they throw the ball a ton, and not that Drew Brees wants to turn the ball over, but they're going to live with a few more interceptions if you're throwing in that kind of volume, whereas Russell Wilson's bit come up through a system with Pete Carroll where the number one focus, and we hear it all the time right here, it's all about the ball, it's all about the ball. And to his credit, he's been incredible about that. He's had one season in his career with 10 interceptions, and he's been single digits every year since. We just saw a guy who's thrown nine interceptions in the last two games. So that's that. That's a really big feat in the NFL to do what Russell Wilson's done in terms of taking care of the football. Now all of a sudden you're telling him, okay, well, he's covered. Do it anyway. That's It's an adjustment, and it's kind of a balancing act, finding the right fit, but it's it's looked really good these last two weeks. Well, and by really good, you can tell how much work they have put in 
on the you know practice field and before practice because the way that Russell laid a couple of those passes just into his hand, I don't think you could have placed the ball better yeah. than the way Russell threw it to Jimmy. Yeah, that one heat where they were backed up, I think it was at the beginning of that 92-yard touchdown drive. Russell Wilson took a big hit on it, but, I mean, he just – a couple of those catches were just Jimmy Graham making spectacular plays, but the one I'm talking about in particular, I mean, Russell Wilson just couldn't have placed that better. He's had a few of those. He's, his touch on deep balls is really good. Yeah, especially when he's got his leg strength, which appears that I, he's got to have some sort of a nickname related to being a cyborg, a bionic yeah, man, a know, something there's, there's been some, like that. People have called him uh, – I've seen people referring to him as a Terminator or, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know. It's incredible. It is. it is incredible what he's done. So Jimmy Graham now has back-to-back 100-yard receiving games. He did not have um, back-to-back even 60-yard receiving, 60-yard uh, games last year. So he is well on pace to have an incredible year. And, John, it makes me wonder, given the conversation around how great the team has been with the deep ball, does this mean that they are now a passing team? No, it doesn't. It means in any given week, if they need to be, they can be. And that was what we saw against the Jets. Of That's a really hard team to run against. They were struggling to run the ball. And the flip side of that is they're having a lot of success taking shots downfield. So they're not going to be stubborn and run just for the sake of running if they're having success throwing. The whole thing, Pete Carroll touched on this today. He's never been run first, even though some people, including his own players, have used that term. His whole deal is balance, and it doesn't mean you run the ball 30 times and pass the ball 30 times every game. What that means to Pete Carroll is you have the ability to do both. So if the game calls for you to run the ball, whether that's because it's sloppy weather or your quarterback is injured or you're in the lead, whatever it is that you can run the ball, whereas if the opportunities are there to throw it and that's what's working, you have the talent to do that. And that's what we're really seeing this team be is a team that, you know, can kind of do both depending on what they're called upon. Yeah, I like the way he put it. He said, uh, you know, always try to go with a balanced attack. The reason is you need it, you got it, Mm -hmm. right? And it's as simple as that, and and that's, I I guess, a really good philosophy. Also, he pointed out that it's one thing to say it's another thing to be disciplined enough to do, and not every team does it. In fact, there are so few teams that achieve that balance. It's what makes the Seahawks look unusual. It's what causes us to talk about this on a regular basis when you hear comments like that from Pete. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they ever were a team that ran the ball 75% of the time. It was just that, as you said, if in the years where they were truly balanced of pretty much a 50-50 split over the course of a season, that was – it was them in San Francisco when under Harbaugh were the only two teams doing that. And, it, you know, the rest of the league is throwing it so much more often that it does look a lot different just to have a team even close to 50-50. Well, and think about that, too. You don't realize kind of the discipline involved in that. But after you're coming off a game like the Seahawks had against the Jets and you realize, man, those yards are there and those are, you know, what look like easy yards. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it was an easy game. But boy, those are, those are nice yards. Those are sexy plays. Let's just focus on that. Let's, let's do that. It's really hard to run the ball because you've got to be that physical. But really and truly to go back, and if what, what it calls for against the Falcons is to run the ball, we haven't gotten there yet for looking at that matchup, the Seahawks are still going to place an emphasis on that, Yeah. even though those yards are hard to come by. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so with the amount of offense that the Seahawks have put up in the last couple of weeks, I'm wondering how much does that impact the defense? Because you can look at those offensive yards in a vacuum and just see that Russell Wilson threw for over 300 yards and the number of points. But there's a flip side 
when you take a look at what the defense is able to do as a result. Yeah, and I think for the most part, the way this defense has played both this year and just big picture, they're going to be really good no matter what. But the offense can certainly help them you know, in terms of field position, time of possession, all that stuff. But then the biggest factor we see, and it was really obvious in the fourth quarter, is the turnovers. The defense, you know, they want to get the ball away anytime they can, but it's a lot harder to get takeaways if you're if the other team's winning or if it's a close enough game that they're going to be more conservative. Whereas you put a team in a situation where they're down two scores and they have to throw, which is exactly where the Jets were, you get all of a sudden, boom, you go from having one turnover all year to three interceptions in a quarter. And so when we're talking about those turnovers being contagious, is there momentum that's gained from the turnovers or is it the momentum that's gained from the offense? It's both. I think it's really a little bit of both. But I think, you know, the the, the kind of cliche of they come in bunches, I don't think it's just like, hey, we know how to intercept the ball, so we're going to do it again. I really do think they tend to snowball because of situations. It's, okay, they threw one interception, the Seahawks went down, turned that into a touchdown. Now they even – now they have to push the ball and throw it even more one-dimensionally. You get another one. And it just it it's kind of just spirals and builds where once a team gets behind and that lead gets away from them, then they're going to have to take more shots. And then Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, those guys are going to make plays. Yeah, and they're going to make you pay if you want to keep going downfield because you can only go to the well so many times, exactly. as the yes. LOB yeah. pointed out. Well, there were no new injuries coming out of the game against the Jets, but there is injury news coming out this week that Mike Morgan stayed behind on the East Coast to have surgery on a sports hernia that Pete Carroll let us in on last week a little bit. But we don't know if the timing was always in place for him to have surgery during the bye. They're looking at, what, about a five-week? Yeah, he said that's probably about four or five week. So, it, yeah, it's he, some he's been dealing with. It actually goes back. It flared up in, I think, training camp sometime in the preseason. Um, but he's been able to play through it. We see this a lot where guys, you know, sometimes it's just a playing through the pain. Sometimes it starts to affect their speed, mobility, all that. Um, and so he was on the injury report last week, and Pete Carroll said, you know, they thought he had a chance to gut it out. So he did. He didn't have to play a ton because they were in nickel so much. Um, but he got through that game. But now, you know, the timing works well with the bye, and they were already on the East Coast. The doctor that does the surgery, same guy who did Marshawn Lynch, I believe, uh, he's in Philadelphia. So stayed behind. He'll have that surgery, and they'll, you know, he's on IR now, but they can bring him back the way those rules are if that all works out in terms of the roster. Uh, but yeah, it's again, it's not. He's he's an important part of that defense and a really good special teams player. But this isn't a Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, who's on the field every play. They've been playing a lot of nickel with Jeremy Lane in there. So Mike Morgan's he'll he'll be missed more probably on special teams in those defensive snaps. Yeah, and when you say they've been playing a lot of nickel, I'm pretty sure it was seven snaps Sunday that were played in base defense. A little, I think it was eighty. Seven. I think it was thirteen snaps of. 13 of 70, I think. It was it was a base. ridiculously low number that I saw that was in base defense, which is where you're going to see that come into play. And to uh, take place or take those snaps, it'll be Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Cassius Marsh again when they're not in nickel. So there'll be some opportunities for those guys. Just in general, uh, you've talked about the defensive numbers. How do we feel about the defense and – how much further until they really hit their stride? I mean, they seem to be pretty close to there already, although, like I was saying earlier, they tend to be a team that gets even better. It's One of the things that, and Carol talked about this a little bit, 
their run defense now, they led the league in run defense last year, and then they've been really steady with it again this year. And it's when they're doing that, it just sets everything up of if, I mean, there's going to be teams that just don't try to run against them, and that's a whole other story. But these teams that do want to run the ball, if you stop them a couple times and you get those third and six, seven, eight, I mean, that's where the, the secondary can really just feast on corner quarterbacks making bad throws, things like that. So I, I don't know if they're how much more, I mean, their sack numbers are up from last year. I, I guess the one thing will be just continue to get the turnovers like we saw. And if they're doing that, if they're getting a couple, two, three turnovers every game, that's where they're just really going to dominate. And with the bye, maybe it, it kills some of the momentum if you want to look at it that way. But you've got a team that you are facing next that just threw the ball for 500 yards. So I would think that it's good that the, the defense has found their rhythm early because they're, they're going to get tested. a test. Yeah. I mean, Julio Jones had 300, I mean, 300 receiving yards. That's hard for me to On 11 catches. It, like. it wasn't even, you know, an obscene number of catches. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what that what that looks like next week. And, you know, I'm sure we'll all talk about whether Richard Sherman's going to Shadow Julio Jones, and I'm sure they will not tell us all week if that's going to happen <laughs> or not. But if that matchup does happen, I mean, Brandon Marshall against Richard Sherman was a lot of fun to watch. And if that is what they do with Julio, that'll be fun. But, yeah, it's this offense, I think it's fair to say that the defense has not been tested yet by a team like Atlanta. Well, and Atlanta does lead the NFL in total offense. Their passing yards, 354 a game is what they're averaging. Seattle is the second best defense in the NFL. They allow 183 passing yards, just 80 rushing yards a game. So, yeah, you know what you need to focus on when Atlanta comes to town. It's just a matter of executing. Of course, the 12s will have a little bit of something to say about that, I'm quite certain. Sure. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. That'll be if uh, if Pete Carroll called Richard Sherman's one-on-one matchup this last week. Uh, what does he call it? Film study for the ages? Film for the ages? Sure, it's sounds one of those about epic right. Battles I, I didn't write there. that one down, but I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you on that. Well. It was a hell of a battle. Though. That it, was fun. That was a fun one. I'm going to guess that there's a couple more fun yeah. battles in store. Um, lastly, before we go, we know that Russell Wilson is not going to take it easy during the bye week, which is something – that probably sounds counterintuitive when he's dealing with the ankle injury and the knee injury. He's going to use his time to um, really work on the strength and the flexibility. But, John, how does the team in general typically approach the bye week? I mean, in terms of they'll get most – they pretty much get this whole week off after today. So, it's it, you know, some of it just depends on the individual and his situation. A lot of guys, if they're banged up, they, they have to stay behind and get treatment. Some guys will get a little break, but it's – you know, it's it's early for a buy, but in terms of how banged up they are, including their quarterback, that's probably not a bad thing to have an early buy. And that's all about just getting back to work next week. They'll they'll get a bonus day in practice on Monday, and that's just kind of in, in the case of a team playing well like they are, it'll just be kind of trying to pick up where you left off last year. The buy, a lot of it was about focusing on areas they need to fix. It was you know getting the rhythm passing game going, getting the ball out quicker because Russell Wilson was getting hit a lot. They, I mean, there's areas to improve, but this this year is not a we need to overhaul this or that. It's more just fine-tune some things and then just try to come out firing next week. You probably don't get the entire week off, though, do you? You're still posting no, on Seahawks.com. No, because we can't have Seahawks.com be a, a wasteland for a no, week. So but we'll be, there'll be articles and video and all sorts of good stuff. And there you go. And that is John Boyle's own promo for everything that he will be posting on Seahawks.com this week. That is where you can get 
all of the latest news and inside access. We are the Seahawks Insiders. We will be back with you for another podcast next week. We will be rested and ready to look at the Seahawks matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.